Alrighty, back out of here on The Fan. Want to hear me defend Jose Ramirez and get mad at the all-star voting process? Odyssey Rewind Function, that's the first hour of the show. Glad you guys could be with us here on this Thursday. Right now, we're talking about the Guardians in the game today, though. Where, again, J-Ram made just one of the more ridiculous plays. We've had, in the past three days, we've had two absurd baseball plays in moments that really did matter. Tenth inning of today's game, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, I mean, Jose Ramirez comes out and steals home. And then two days ago, you had Bo Naylor with what had to have been one of the more athletic plays I've ever seen a catcher make in baseball history. I got to go back to like Benito Santiago to try to come up with another catcher that I thought that was just pure athleticism at its finest as he whipped around a 360 to then turn and throw the base runner out trying to go to second off of a misread from, I think, was it Stefan? I think Stefan was throwing it to him at that point. A misread on a pitch out. To get the job done. And we've just seen some incredible baseball plays in a series that it really depends on how you want to look at this thing. I don't know if you're taking that series as a win or as a loss. You know, I kind of look at it like with the A's series, you got to win those. And and calling for a sweep is not out of the question when you're taking on one of the worst teams baseball has ever seen. And this Kansas City Royals team and that Oakland A's team, they're up there as far as one of the worst we've seen in the previous couple decades. There's no question about it you got to find a way to win those series. Calling for a sweep seems like a tad much. Getting two out of three is mandatory. They did that, but at any point, do you turn around and say, maybe I wanted a little bit more? You know, because for as good of a series as that was and as good of a game as that was today, to have that big play in the 10th inning, you still had Classe blow it. You still had Classe give up two runs, and I know the runner on second doesn't count. I get that, but the runner on first that he put on there ended up scoring for the game-winning run. So at some point, even though I know we don't like to blame relievers that enter in the 10th inning, when you enter with a one-run lead, I don't care that there's a runner on second. You got to be held accountable for that in my estimation. So I don't want to pierce the balloon of invincibility that the Guardians have helped build themselves with playing good baseball over the past week. Because in the bigger picture, I do love what I saw today. The bigger picture, I saw them fight. I saw them be scrappy. And I saw them show a pulse, which is something that a month ago, I couldn't say the same thing. I kept thinking about the idea that a month ago, I had related this team to being like a lemon for a vehicle. You know, like the lemon cars? where they just, they, everything breaks on them constantly. You're constantly, and again, they, it, for whatever reason, some cars out of the lot are awesome, and some cars out of the lot, things break. Just is, it's just how cars work, and things consistently break. And I, I kept thinking the Guardians were that team, because every time you, you had the starting pitching seem like it was getting right and getting in order, then the relievers would fall apart. And then when the relievers would get all patched up and ready to go, then all of a sudden the hitters would struggle. And it felt like on a car, you know, the engine has something with a problem, and then you take it in, and it gets fixed. But then before you know it, I got to do something with my brake pads. And then you go in there, and you get it fixed. And then before you know it, something else breaks. And it just, it was Murphy's Law. What could go wrong did go wrong. That was the Guardian season up until, in my estimation, a couple weeks ago. I no longer think of them as that lemon car. So even when you have a game, and this is why this is important, even when you have a game like today, where Glossé blows it, Stefan doesn't look good, your two best relievers didn't show up. I'm not turning around and saying, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Relievers, they're just there. They're not going to show up. We got, you got, I have a situation on our hands. 
just not thinking that way. That's what I think is beautiful about this team now. That's what I love about this team. Now, most importantly, this team has found their way into a situation where over the previous two weeks, they've been one of the better offenses in baseball as well. Now, I'm not going to compare them to the 27 Yankees. That would be foolish, obviously. But in the past two weeks of baseball, and I know it's not the largest sample size in the world, but in the past two weeks, the Guardians have the sixth best offense, total offense in the game. Now, it's not going to stabilize that way, but it has a chance to be good enough to take down the AL Central on the way. I don't think when you get in that you'll be drawing dead, so let's dance. The question is whether or not it's safe enough to buy into this being the new version of this team. Is what you're seeing out there on a day-in, day-out basis, is that the new Guardians? Where all of a sudden, Josh Naylor is one of the hottest hitters in baseball. We spent a whole hour talking about how great Jose Ramirez is and continues to be. Andres Jimenez, Will Brennan has been absolutely outstanding for this team. Been one of the hotter hitters in baseball over the previous month or so. I'm not saying they don't have holes. Obviously, we know where the holes lie. I don't need to to spotlight them for you guys right now. But the reality is, is when you watch a game like today, there's so much good there, especially coming off a double-digit run performance from yesterday, where usually when a team scores 12, 13, 14 runs, you come back the next day, and they just lay a complete egg. You know, Bieber went out there, threw six innings of strong work, had the one walk, had the eight Ks. He looked awesome. And you just had a little bit of a hiccup from two of your better relievers in that bullpen. A little bit of a hiccup that I'm not counting as a setback of any sorts. This is not the third time in four days where you turn around and you see Emmanuel Classe struggling. In fact, if you go back a little bit further, this was the first run Emmanuel Classe had allowed the entire month of June The last run allowed was on May 26th. And I remember, as we talked about the lemon with the car situation, right, where sometimes it felt like at points this team was struggling in certain areas. Uh, There was a stretch there where when it came to Emmanuel Class A, we were having very similar conversations than what we were having with James Karinchek. It was also very problematic at that time as well. Class A six-blown saves on the season, moved to one and five after today's loss, but it's not... The number that blows you away because he's gotten so much better in the past month and a half or so. He looks like very vintage, as vintage as a guy that hasn't been in the league that long, and Emmanuel Classe can look. So good last year. So good. So the question I have for you, 216474-0092, is a game like today a reason to buy into the Guardians? Or are you looking at this game, 4-3 loss to the Royals, and saying, you know what, maybe this is why I need to fade the Guardians? Maybe this is why I can't 100% buy in. We had Nelson call in last segment. Nelson called in and said, I know this team is not a World Series contender. I know this team isn't built like other baseball teams across the league. That's why I can't buy in. Okay. Listen, I can't tell you no on that. If you're looking at this roster and you're saying, I'm not seeing a Tampa Bay, I'm not seeing a Texas, I'm not seeing an Atlanta, I'm not seeing one of the juggernauts, you're not going to get a fight it for me on that one. Like I, I, was, I just, I have no fight to give you on that one. You're, you're going to be right. The difference between our offense right now and let's say Texas's offense is completely night and day. Not going to try to make the case one way or another. For instance, the the run differential for Tampa Bay is plus one fifty two. The Guardians uh, minus seven. Okay, like I, you're not going to. I'm not going to go down that road because it's not the fight I want to have. 
But we do have enough in baseball history, and I always go back to that Cardinals team that won the World Series at 86 wins. It's like we have enough in baseball history to get your ticket punched, find your way in. But in particular, in recent memory, just last year with this Guardians team, they struggled for the first three months of the year. They were not particularly good. And then the second half of the season, they were the second-best team in baseball by a win percentage, and they were off to the races, and it felt like they could do damage. Then they scored 17 runs in seven games. Spoiler alert, not enough runs in that many games, and we all saw how it ended. So, yeah, I don't think you should wave the white flag. I don't think you should call it for the Guardians, uh, you know, at this point because you don't feel like they have a juggernaut that can compete. This is not the Dolphins going into Buffalo and saying our starting quarterback is Skylar Thompson. Let's see how this all shakes out. While Mike McDaniel vapes on the sidelines. This isn't that scenario. Which, if you remember that game correctly, that game did, it it took like four and a half hours. It's an incredibly long football game that Skylar Thompson actually made a little bit of a comeback at the end. But this isn't one of those games. This isn't one of those quarterback matchups where you're seeing the first round of the postseason and you're like, I mean, they just, they just do not have it. This is just, there's no way. There's no way they're getting past him. Uh, Tyler Huntley versus Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? You're just like, okay, what are we doing here? Why, why did we even show up? Why, how did we get in this situation? It's not one of those. It just isn't. It's one of these situations where with the way this starting pitching is and the way everything is built up right now, this Guardians team, if they, if they punch their ticket, can do some damage. we got to get some more offense, though. I'm not saying it's expected. That's a different story. It's not expected. But at this point, they have my attention. They play series like they did this weekend where they showed fight, and even though you should absolutely destroy Kansas City every step of the way, they showed that they were in these games. They showed that they didn't lay down and die. You've earned my attention. That's a win for the Guardians. month and a half ago, I thought on June 29th, we'd be having an entirely different conversation. In fact, on a month and a half ago, I thought our conversation was going to be zero conversation. You think I would have spent an hour talking about Jose Ramirez and how bothered I was that he got an all-star starter snub a month and a half ago if uh, 12,000 people were still showing up to the ballpark and you guys didn't care? Not a chance. Zero chance. But now we're at that point. Not only do I, I, can I tell you guys are caring right now, not only can I see that you guys are interested in the Guardians, but they've earned it. The way that they played. Now, they got to go strong into the break here. And they got to go strong and an an opportunity that they have to close this little stretch out here and continue to stamp down what they can do. You got a three-game set against the Cubs, who have not been that impressive this year. You got a three-game set against the Braves, which is going to be a real, that's a real test right there. And then a four-gamer against Kansas City. There are seven games in there where you should be favored. Go out and win them. All right. We're going to leave that there. Uh, on Twitter, there you can find me. I am at Jay Prieto. we got the fan focus coming your way in about 40 minutes. we got to get to off the beaten path with Mitchell Palooza as well. Uh, first, the action around the NBA before the draft proved how crazy this offseason could become in July. You're going to need the Odyssey app to keep track of how that might affect Cleveland. Just create an account. Type in Cavaliers. You're going to get all the audio you need from our local show as well as the nation. Download the Odyssey app today to get started. Don't forget our original podcast as well. Carmen and Lima's emerging podcast scene, and it's always game day in Cleveland. A couple things in the brownies we got to get to. I'm going to start with Mary Kay Cabot on DeAndre Hopkins because Mary Kay said what I believe to be true. And I understand that in the interview that I heard, she has been screaming this for a while. And I, I maybe I just – I bad job by me for not paying enough attention 
but I, I did not hear it until she said it right here. Even though I read everything Mary Kay does, and I, I, I pay attention to a lot of things that she does, it just didn't, it didn't connect for some reason. It didn't connect. So I love, I love how when asked the question, she really had to stamp this one down because it was just, it was, it was so perfect. And I, I believe she's 100% right on this, but I find it interesting. Here we go. This is Mary Kay Cabot earlier today. I say still completely out. Somebody got that, you know, all revved up again yesterday, and I don't know why. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, people wait until the national media says something. But, you know, if I'm telling you that they're not in on DeAndre Hopkins, you can take that to the bank. I have qualified it by saying that in the event of serious injury to a key player, such as Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples-Jones or Elijah Moore, then maybe they would get interested. But short of that, they're not in on the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. Listen, I just think Mary Kay knows. I love that she's like, you can take it to the bank. That was like the next level of, uh, I, I, I'm telling you, I know. I, I, I've had these discussions. I've talked to the people in the know. I know. And if anybody in this city would know, it's Mary Kay Cabot. She would know. So I'm going to take it to the bank. And part of the reason why I feel so confident in that is that it also leads to what I've been telling you guys now for a couple days. And, and we can get into the Forio side of this, which I thought was really interesting as well, which we touched on a little bit earlier in the week, and what exactly this means for the Browns. If Deshaun Watson's comments publicly match up with what he says privately, and we don't know that, we're never going to know that. We are never going to know if privately he went to bat for DeAndre Hopkins, or privately he said the complete opposite of what he told us at that golf outing. But I got one theory built up based off of what Mary Kay had to say about DeAndre Hopkins and about Deshaun Watson. I'll have it for you next. Your phone calls, 216-474-0092. Can we put the DeAndre Hopkins discussion to bed? And I'll give you my theory next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on The Fan. I say still completely out. Somebody got that, you know, all revved up again yesterday, and I don't know why. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, people wait until the national media says something. But, you know, if I'm telling you that they're not in on DeAndre Hopkins, you can take that to the bank. I have qualified it by saying that in the event of serious injury to a key player, such as Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples-Jones or Elijah Moore, then maybe they would get interested. But short of that, they're not in on the DeAndre Hopkins That's Mary Kay Cabot on with Ken and Anthony earlier today. I mean, that's case closed for me. That's it. All I need to hear is Mary Kay saying, not happening. That's all I need. And, and barring some sort of injury. There's a couple things I find fascinating about that, though. though. Do you think my theory on it all was right? Do you remember my theory at all? Do you think Do you think my theory on it was all right? Have I been right the entire time on this one? We go back to my 275 down the middle or banana slicing it off the tee. There was an opportunity that it could have been anywhere in between on my, my little theory on what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins. If you haven't heard it, I'll lay it out for you guys quickly. I believe that Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins are that close of buddies. Remember, when there was 22 civil cases against DeAndre, uh, against Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins was the only player on Instagram saying, I got your back, I'm with you. When nobody was in his corner, there was DeAndre Hopkins in his corner, publicly posting support of his friend. They text all the time, they call all the time. I believe, based off of what I just heard with Mary Kay Cabot, as, as a little bit of a confirmation of what, what this might mean, I'm not saying Mary Kay is inferring this, I'm inferring this. I believe that Deshaun Watson's words publicly don't match what he's saying privately. And I believe that it, it doesn't match because DeAndre Hopkins has told him, don't come get me. 
DeAndre Hopkins got busted for PED use. He's over. He's 30 years old. He says he doesn't want to practice. All these different type of red flags, right? I think DeAndre Hopkins understands the weight of this season for Deshaun Watson, and I think he's doing him a solid. I think he's saying, listen, publicly, I want you to go out there and say I'm the world's greatest because I want, I want to get $15 million a year. I want to get paid, so help me get paid, and then privately, I'll tell you what's really going on. What's really going on in my estimation is that, uh, listen, I'm, not, I'm cooked. Cooked like a rotisserie, ch- I just don't have it anymore. I was once great. I'm not great anymore. I've lost a step or two. That's why I took the PEDs. I don't have it, so don't come get me. Tell Andrew Barry, tell whoever it is, publicly you love me, privately you don't want me. And then I won't get in your way, and I can get in the way of somebody else. Somebody else, like let's say, I don't know, Bill O'Brien, who he did not get along with in Houston at all, but now all of a sudden the Patriots are the front runners. I don't know about you guys, but if it was me and I was trying to screw over somebody that I used to work with that I didn't necessarily care for, having them shell out $15 million, more money than they can afford to have me come play for them and run routes that I don't really care to run, probably a good way to stick it to them in a little bit of a way. Now, I don't know that he would necessarily do that, but it's not a crazy thought if we're living uh, down this down this lane. 216-474-0092. I remain steadfast in this one. The reason why Mary Kay can re- uh, not report but can talk the way she can talk there is because she's talking to the people that matter, and the people that matter already know. They already know. It's not going to happen. The, the only other scenario that would play out this way is if you're living with the idea that the Browns are telling Deshaun Watson no. That what he's saying publicly does match up with what he's saying privately, and the Browns are telling Deshaun Watson, you have enough weapons, go out there and win. And if that's the case... Ooh, I don't know about that move. That's a bold play, Cotton. Let's see how this one plays out for you. I don't know about that move because Deshaun Watson's the second most powerful person in that building. The only other one being more powerful is Jimmy Haslam. I don't know how that would play out for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski if that's how that went down. Because about week five, week six, week seven, if he looks around and decides Elijah Moore isn't it, He's going to say, I told you to, to go get Hopkins. I told you to go get my guy. Give me somebody outside of Jordan Aikens that I played with before, please. Ooh, this could get very interesting. 216-474-0092. Jim in Strongsville. Up next on the fan. Hello, Jim. Jonathan, you've missed your calling. You should be writing fantasy novels. Uh, hey, it's never too late. I'm only 34. I mean, you've missed your calling. You can take one statement made, one statement made in public at a golf outing and Mary Kay's statement today, and you've weaved this tapestry of a tale. It's a fun tale, though, isn't it? It is, except it's probably all fantasy. I just, listen, you're, you're giving athletes way too much credit. There are very few guys that are calculating the way a LeBron James is. There's very few. They just don't do it. They're not calculated with what they say. They are planning every move that they're making when they're talking to the media. Most athletes just are, they're just not operating but, but that way. Jim, can you, can you agree that either one of two things that I laid out is true? Either Deshaun Watson's statements in public matches what he says in private, which then means we have a problem because the Browns aren't going out and getting his guy that he wants, or they don't match with what he said publicly, and then, ergo, I'm, I'm right with my theory. I think he would be happy to have Hopkins here. He would love another weapon. That's what he's, and that's pretty much what he said publicly. Then, then we got but an issue. Then we got an issue with the Browns front office. No, no, not really. Because just because he wants something doesn't even mean he's demanding it. Players are always going out there saying, "Of course we can get better. Of course I want a good player to come in here." They're, 
not unusual or out of the norm. I, but that doesn't mean that he's like, I want my guy here or else. It's just like, hey, if it works out, it would be great. I would love to have I mean, you're making everything into this black and white like it has to be all one way or all the other way. I mean, my but job, if my job, with- Jim, was on the line, I would do everything in my power. If the, if the one person I knew could control my job, I would do everything in my power to make sure that they get what they want. Wouldn't you? Deshaun Watson's, Watson's one. His job's not on the line. No, 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 no. But Andrew he, Barry's and- job is on the line. And the one person that can control it is Deshaun Watson. I'd make him as happy as I can get. But, but you're making the assumption that he's that Deshaun Watson was demanding it or really wanted it. I, I, and, and if the, what you're saying is, look, I think, I think my problem with it is you're painting this conspiracy like, well, I think he said, you know, hey, publicly do this. No, I think he just said, hey, I, yeah, I'd love to have the guy here if it works out. Because that's what he did say. He said that's not his decision. Did he not say it wasn't his decision to make? No, he did say that. There's no doubt about that. So he already told you. But it you should know, be his decision. Yeah, he's, he's, he gets paid Jonathan, $230 million. It should be his decision. Jonathan, there's guys you would love to work with, too. I mean, whatever. Well, I'm you know not what I'm Deshaun saying? Watson like, of the radio station. No, but you know what I mean? You say things. People, I mean, here's, I mean, look, dude, I get it. And I love, first of all, love your show. Well, thank You've you, You've grown on me tremendously. You're fantastic. I, I wouldn't have said that four years ago. So okay. you're great. But, well, thank you. That's okay. But you do, but you do, but you do weave, weave quite the tail. I mean, you are like, I, yes. you're like one step away from crazy conspiracy <laughs> guy wearing a pink, pink hat. No, that's afternoon drive. They do the alien thing. Remember? Come on. No, no, don't get, no, that needs to stop. <laughs> I, I can't believe they, I can't believe they brought Keith into that. I can't believe Keith even, I, I, can't, I just, I can't, I can't, I, I'm beside myself. It's, it's so un-Keith-like that I can't it even believe very, it's a un, It is very un-Keith-like. You are right about that. <laughs> But, but no, I, I agree. I agree with you. I look. I think the Browns are in a good spot. I don't think there's any tension between the front office. And if it makes you feel good to say that he, you know, put it in the way that you put it, then so be it. That's all. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, good stuff right there with Jim. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. He does have a good point though. Keith being in on the alien thing is is probably the shock of the century. Earl, you know Keith. That's not that's not a normal path that he goes down. Playing into the uh, are aliens uh, a thing or not a thing? No, I, I agree with that. That's not a path that he goes no. down. But I think he wants to vibe. He wants to vibe with the show. The show puts out good vibes. He wants to vibe with the show. He doesn't want to. You know, we don't want to call him a murderer for killing the vibe. We want to keep the vibes high. Yeah. So if you talk about aliens every now and again, I think that's what they go for. It's not it's a very astute observation, right there. It's a very. It really is. It's a. Uh, it's a good, good pickup there. 216-474-0092. It's going to make Keith think about all sorts of moves that he has moving forward, I'm sure. Adam and Akron up next on The Fan. Hello, Adam. What's up, JP? How are you? Hey, what's up, man? No, I, uh, you know, I just want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins a little bit. I'm, I'm happy that Mary Kay put it to bed, basically, because it's been, it's been almost annoying that, you know, he, he goes these places, he has these visits, and then all of a sudden – Cleveland just keeps popping up and popping up and popping up because of the, you know, marriage with Deshaun Watson. But in in my opinion, I don't think we need him. And that's it's tough to say because, you know, historically he's been a great wide receiver. So you would always say that you could always use a great receiver. We did this experiment with Odell Beckham. It didn't work out that well because we invested so much money in that part of the ball. I think that what they've done so far with the wide receiver room we had Nick Chubb into Sean Watson, and then what they've done on the defensive line and the secondary, this is a, a, a good group of players, and we don't need to add another star-studded player to make ourselves any better because uh, everybody will tell you, you know, there's only one ball. 
we have a number one wide receiver in Amari Cooper. And I think with a full off season with Deshaun, I think those two are going to shine together. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the old Deshaun and DeAndre. And you have Elijah Moore. You got David Njoku. Um, you, you, you draft the young kid, and then you have the Marquise Goodwin. You, you have so many pieces behind a dynamic offensive line and a dynamic running back. It's just unnecessary. It, it would be unnecessary. It would be money unwell spent. And I think I, I love Mary Kay for just shutting it down, and I hope that she's right. And I hope that we move forward with the squad that we got and build chemistry and just go from there and don't add any distractions. Don't add any crazy new media and let's roll with it and see what happens. And he can go, you know, play for Bill Belichick in the, you know, in the, the Patriot way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the boot camp. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Adam. Good call. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. The, uh, it's the one place you really don't want to play. It's the one place it just seems like hell. You got you to gotta be on your toes at all times if you're going to play in New England. I think there is something to the idea that watching Deshaun Watson three weeks ago, let's say, when he was here in Cleveland and Berea, and people were uh, just waxing poetic about how good he looked with Elijah Moore and how good he looked with all these other guys. You know, I, I go back to it every now and then what Ashley Bastock told us when she was on with us, I think about a month ago or so. I thought it was a great point. You know, she, she went down the road of how – what she believed the Browns are doing is putting together, and we can see you got like 13 different wide receivers. She's they're putting together a massive group of wide receivers, and they're going to find whichever one works with Deshaun Watson the best, and whichever one does, kind of very similar to like Baker Mayfield and Hollywood Higgins. You know, Hollywood Higgins was not the most athletic, he was not the fastest. For whatever reason, the two just worked well together, and it made Hollywood Higgins have an actual NFL career because of it. It's kind of what they're doing with Deshaun Watson. And they're trying to make this part of everything work. I, I think it's fascinating. I, really, I, I, I think it's so fascinating. I think there's so many different layers to it. I think there's so many different areas that we can go with it. And, and this, this Browns team is in a very good spot. Speaking of what the last caller mentioned right there, our offensive line the other day was ranked second from Pro Football Focus. I got a report earlier today, and we'll do this later on, 9 o'clock hour if everything goes right, 920. Uh, I'll tell you where ESPN just came out with their rankings, where they have the Browns. And just how good this team is, top to bottom, really is set up to win a lot of games. There's no doubt about it. And the wide receivers should be good enough for Deshaun Watson with or without DeAndre Hopkins. All right, leave that there. We come on back. I got to discuss something that's going on currently that took me for a little bit of surprise. We'll get to that also. One radio host, not on this station, lost their mind as it pertains to gambling in the NFL. We got a lot of punishments coming down. Should players be allowed to gamble on non-NFL sports? I think the whole thing has gotten a little kooky. It's gotten a little out of hand. I'll explain what I mean there. Fan focus at 9, off the beaten path at 940. It's overtime. Jonathan Pittlin here with you on The Fan. All righty, fan focus coming your way in about 20 minutes. Odyssey rewind function. I defend Jose Ramirez against all of baseball. Go back, 7 o'clock hour. Had a fun hour. That was a fun hour. There's no doubt about it. Uh, glad you guys could be with me here on this Thursday, though. Before we get to the latest on gambling and what one sports radio host had to say about the latest around that issue, I was talking to Earl in between the break. And uh, you know what? One thing I do love and appreciate about Earl is that Earl, when 
he's not here listens to the station. I like that about Earl. Not everyone that works here listens to the station when they're not on the station or around the station. And that's fine. It is what it is. Like Earl's like me in a lot of ways in that we we're just both sports radio junkies. So we just we like to take things in. Like I I could be working at I could be working on Mars. And I would still listen to 92.3 The Fan because I like the station and I'm a sports radio host and I like listening to sports talk radio. Like my day is built around listening to sports radio. I just, I love it. And that's why I always like some of the callers we get in here. And that's why I really do feel like we're friends in a lot of ways because we're very similar people. If you're listening to sports radio right now, we're cut from the same cloth. Like Earl's cut from that cloth too. I remember before Earl got hired here, him calling me up and yelling at me about a take about, I don't remember what the player it was, to be honest. I just remember. Marsha Lattimore. Marsha Lattimore, really? (laughs) (laughs) You're just just, just yelling, yelling at me. And me being, I don't know if I yelled or or not back, but I I remember getting heated. I spent like an hour and a half on Lattimore one day. I I just went in. The amount of players we spent a lot of time on that never actually see a Browns uniform is astonishing sometimes. We spent so much time on DeAndre Hopkins. It's not even even money right now. Hopkins ends up in a Browns uniform. We spent a month talking about him. Gerald McCoy, we spent 10 days talking about Gerald McCoy. I'll never forget it. 10 days for him to choose Cam Newton and the Panthers because of Cam Newton's dietary preferences. Like, it's, it's, like, it's just how it works. But Earl, I come in today, and Earl goes, well, how did he goes, I've been listening, and I've heard you mention the bachelor party, but I, I didn't hear you get to the main part of the bachelor party that I was interested in. So what was that part, Earl? And then I'll go from there. So I remember, you know, months lead up into it, me and you talked about, you know, like, what would the scene be? You know, would it be, yeah. would it be a couple of ladies in there? You know, <laughs> the, the whole nine, the, whole, the, the last ride, right? Yeah. And you didn't know how you, the brother-in-law, how, how this would go about. So I was curious to know when all the guys got there, was there some silent communication, verbal communication about, okay, this is how the weekend is about to go and what happens. And even though it wasn't Colorado Springs, it was like two hours from Grand, Colorado Grand Springs. Lake. <laughs> yeah. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss on the location. Like whatever goes down here. Literally here. got in the car with the guy I was driving with because there was nine of us. So we went in three different cars and the, the times for the airlines added up. And I get in the car and I go, so you know how to get to Colorado Springs? He's like, Jonathan, we're not going to Colorado Springs, man. We're going, we're going to Grand Lake. This is hours away. I can only imagine the letdown on your face. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Sure. All right. I guess I'm not seeing it. I think there's like a big Army or Navy base or something like that around there. I was like, all right. I guess, I, guess I'm not taking photos of that. We'll keep this thing moving. Yeah. So, no, okay. So, to answer your question, nothing nefarious was at play. Nothing, nothing nefarious happened. There was no uh, late night uh, ladies of the night walking in or anything like that. Now, there's this one guy named Ross that was his good friend. And Ross had brought up like three weeks prior he was at a bachelor party that was basically centered around the Airbnb. That's what this was. The, the bachelor party was basically a really nice Airbnb with a lake around it. We had a chance to go golfing. Uh, we went hiking, which is not my favorite activity in the world. But, you know, I'm a sport and these type of things. So I went hiking. Not a fan of hiking. <laughs> Not a fan of hiking. These guys, are, they're so intense about the hikes. And then you get on the hikes, and you're literally, you're walking with babies and grandmas. And you're like, you guys really took this very, very seriously for a hike that includes toddlers. But that's neither here nor there. And this guy, Ross, was telling about this bachelor party that he was went to like three weeks ago. And I was, I was telling him, I'm like, I got really worried that would be the bachelor party that this was going to be. Where all of a sudden I would show up and there'd be strippers and there'd be all sorts of different things. And I wouldn't know what to do. And my brother-in-law's there and I want him to let loose and let the hair down. But I don't know what to do. 
And fortunately, very early on, the vibe of the group, Earl, was just this group was there to drink scotch like it was tap water and to make sure that they just got hammered and played a bunch of college drinking games, and that was it. And so I knew very early on there was no surprises from the back room that was going to end up happening, and I was very uh, relieved by that. Very relieved by that. Well, that's good, man. It kind of took the edge off. I heard you was the only one that – Endorsed in the scotch. Everybody, so wait, wait, well, wait. That's true. Whoa. That part's I, true. I just thought about something. We the same age, man. Since when is why is these new age 34, 35 year olds drinking seltzers? All it was was seltzers and, and domestic light beers. That's it. That's all there was to drink outside of the like, like what are we doing here? They got me my scotch to basically to appease me, I think. No, we ended up we went to the liquor store and I bought two hundred dollars worth of liquor. Okay. I bought the scotch that I wanted to drink because that's what I'm gonna drink. And then I bought uh, I bought a, a very nice other whiskey. I bought a I bought a handle of Tito's, different vodkas, different uh, a tequila. Had a nice tequila in there as well. It's like two hundred and thirty bucks all said, right? And I'm like, all right, great. These guys are gonna drink a bunch of alcohol. Maybe maybe after a couple of days, we'll have to come back and make another alcohol run. But at least I got these guys set up to begin with, and this is awesome. This is great. And then I roll up in there, and they had so many beers and so many seltzers. I'm telling you, it got to be Saturday night. I was the only one that touched the alcohol. And so then I, I had to make sure I drank all the alcohol, at least the best I could of the alcohol, because no one else touched it. Out of the 230 bucks I spent there on alcohol, maybe like 40 or 50 hours of it got drank, and that was all me. Did you bring any of it back? No, because I, I let the one guy that lives in Colorado, lives in Denver, I let him take it because he had it in his car, and it's easier for him to take it than to have me bring it through the airport and do everything that way. So I let him take it all. Man, I would have paid for the shipping and handling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to ship and handle. <laughs> I would have paid for the shipping and handling. Now, did I give it to him with the idea that maybe he'd throw me some Venmo on the side? Who knows? Who knows? But, but they're drinking what, seltzer, man. You're supposed to bring possible. that home. Yeah, why? So I have no idea why that's the case now. 34, 30, I, the whole group is all 34, 30, between 34 and 35 years old, and everyone was drinking seltzers. Yeah, I, I don't know where that's coming from or, or why they're doing that, but I thought our generation was... We're soft. Nope, we're soft now. We are the seltzer generation. (laughs) That's what we are. I hate to put it that way, but it's true. We're the seltzer generation. Welcome to the party. Unbelievable. I don't even know if it like 25-year-olds. Mitch, you're 25. I am. Your kid's drinking, uh, you you and your buddies, you you guys drinking seltzers, or what are you drinking? Uh, It kind of just depends on the friend. I'm actually the friend that doesn't even really drink that often, so I'm usually the designated driver. Doesn't drink that often. Okay, okay, maybe, okay, you're the DD of the group. Okay, that's different. I feel like every other week I hear a story about you going to some bar to hang out for some party or some uh, sporting event or something. If you're the DD, that's a different story. So when you're the DD, though, what are what are people, what are they taking in? Uh, some of them really enjoy, like you mentioned, the sort of seltzers. It's always the, the unique ones that they have now. Like they, they're trying this new Sunny D vodka seltzer they're trying out. Sunny uh, but- D vodka seltzer? Yeah, you haven't seen this? What the hell is that? So it's based. It's, it's, it's probably a, delicious, if I'm being honest. But what is I've that? had it. It's not too bad, but I refuse to drink another one simply because they, the company stole my idea, and a cease and desist will be sending soon. Yeah, I had that with Pepsi with a twist of lime. That was my idea when I was a child, and then all of a sudden they came out with it. And listen, they would have got there eventually. They're smart people over there at Pepsi. Sure. They would they would have got there eventually, but. That was me. So you did. You were. You invented the Sunny D seltzer. You uh, no, you no I invented the fake screwdriver, which is essentially the same thing as a real screwdriver, except with orange juice. It's Sunny D. So it's just Sunny D and a good uh, brand of vodka. Yeah, that's our DD in the corner. He's a DD, uh, but then he's inventing drinks on the side. I kind of, I kind of dig it though. I kind of dig it. I don't even drink seltzer, but I am curious to know how that tastes. 
probably pretty good. That's the sad part about all these seltzers. They're, really, they're all pretty good. It really doesn't taste like alcohol. It kind of just tastes like diluted orange juice. And I feared with seltzer because I just, I hate the taste of regular seltzer, you know, like your bubblies or your sure. LaCroix or anything. Sure. But this one wasn't, it was kind of like just like a muted orange juice, so to say. You know, I mentioned this the other day. We had the uh, the the uh, the kolach up, which was it, it's Pepsi's version of their, their. What they did is they invented a. It's going to be in baseball stadiums on July fourth. Okay, a couple baseball stadiums, not in the Guardians. It's like New York, all these other different places though, and it's it's Pepsi that uh, it's it's ketchup flavored Pepsi is what it is, right? So when you take a you put the ketchup on the hot dog, you take the bite, and then it seems like you're also then having some Pepsi in your mouth at that point as well. And I, you know, most people want to rip the idea of it. And I, I thought to myself, first off, I love Pepsi and I love Pepsi products. When you put that out there, I love Coke and Coke products as well. All good people. But I gave them credit for it because in today's day and age, being an inventor of a new food is so incredibly tough that if you're going to, if you're just going to create anything, imagine working for Pepsi and being like, I'm in the, I'm in the creative department. And I'm in the inventor department. I got to come up with new things. You know how hard that is to come up with something brand new involving Pepsi? Eh, it's ridiculous. So I'll give anyone credit for inventing anything. And I'm, I'm here for all of it. 216-474-092. And how society works is we'll filter out the best and we'll go from there. And if it's truly great, then it'll stay around. I got high hopes for it, though. John and Pepper Pike up next on The Fan. Hello, John. Man, I want to pile on. This is a reboot. I went through this back in the 80s when they were doing the Partles and James, you know, country wine cooler stuff, throwing <laughs> that at us, trying to water it down. You know, there was nothing wrong with the, the good old beers. At any rate, it's, you're, it, we're seeing it. When I saw the White Claws, I seen the same wave. It's not going away. It's here to stay. Oh, Everybody's yeah. on the White Claws, all mm-hmm. of the drinks. So, yeah, I, I think it's over. The good old, uh, you know, hey, you got something really fun in your cabinet? Nope. We lost the cabinet battle. days are over. John, we, we lost the we battle. Lo- but let's keep drinking, though, man, because they're, they're still going to make it, though. So there we go. <laughs> I'm here for the good times. Thank you, John. I appreciate you, man. I mean, that's the thing. I was, I was, I was uh, watching this interview with Wright Thompson the baseball writer, and he wrote a book about Pappy Van Winkle, which is like one of the really celebrated whiskeys. Uh, it's one of the very expensive ones. It's one of the ones that like the, it's always on the top of the list for a lot of people. And a lot of the whiskey snobs turn around and say it's not too dissimilar than most of the whiskeys that you would drink because most of the whiskeys come from the same six or seven distilleries. And his whole emphasis on all this was like, if you want to give a great gift to somebody, just just put it in a nice decanter and then put Maker's Mark or whatever you want to put in there and don't worry about getting anything expensive. Like it said, the whole point of alcohol is the good times. That's the thing. I wasn't going to, or I wasn't going to soil the good times and getting on people for all their seltzers or anything like that. I just thought it was interesting. All this alcohol I went out there and bought, nobody was drinking it. I'm in the corner drinking my scotch. And the next day I came over and I asked them, I, I, I said to the one guy that was, I was riding back with, I was like, man, no one touched that alcohol, huh? <laughs> And he's like, he's like, no, but man, we were all impressed. You were drinking that scotch. You were taking that down. And I was like, it's not a, there's nothing noble about this cause. I just like scotch. And I'm amazed that you at 34 years old were like, give me the seltzer. You saw like a quarterback after a game who just dealt with a wide receiver who kept dropping the ball. Oh, just man, so nobody touched that scotch, huh? I'm, I'm Josh <laughs> Allen. They're old Stephon Diggs. And I'm, I'm just confused. I'm just, why are you yelling at me on the sideline right now? I was the one putting it all out on the line. Meanwhile, you guys wanted to wake up and see the morning and do a hike. 
I just wish I could have seen your face. Like, I, I'm, I'm painting a picture right now <laughs> of you walking around looking at everybody with their beverage in their hand. And, like, are you kidding me right now? I'm not I'm not Hank Hill. Like, what, <laughs> what happened to this country? <laughs> like, what's going on here? We're drinking <laughs> seltzers now? Seltzers? Of all things, this is what we come to? Like, grab a glass of wine first. Damn it, right? Bobby. <laughs> like, am I wrong there? We, we go from hard liquor to wine, not hard yeah. liquor to seltzers. Different generation. Ooh, Although you. it's the same generation. <laughs> All right, we've there. We come on back. We got the fan focus off the beaten path, the nine o'clock hour as well. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on the fan.